Welcome to Church Jams Now, everybody, uh, the show where three former youth group kids and current music nerds deep dive into Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. Uh, I am, of course, your co-host, Kylan Savage. With me, as always, is Mr. TJ Smith. Howdy. What's up? Hey, and our beautiful producer, Josh Olson. What's up, guys? Okay, but enough talking from you guys, because we have a guest today. <laughs> no one cares about y'all. I do, but... Be quiet, Josh. <laughs> Josh, you're talking too much. Um, yeah, guys, we're super excited to continue our artist interview series. Um, today, we have Orion Walsh, the lead singer of Slow Coming Day, a super awesome band that we're going to get into, uh, as well as a solo artist has been making all kinds of awesome music um, for quite a while. And uh, he's from Lincoln, Nebraska, right? Yeah, that's where I'm that's, originally from. That's awesome. Are you in Lincoln right now? I'm in Lincoln right now, yes. Oh, that's super cool. Actually, our really good friend Joe, who's been a guest on this show, it lives in Omaha. And when okay. I told him we were interviewing you, he's seen you play like a bunch of times. So, Okay, wow. <laughs> yeah, nice. I, thought, I thought that was pretty cool. Shout out to Joe. Yeah. So, Orion, thank you so much for coming on the show. No problem, man. Yeah, thanks for having me here. We originally kind of touched base because Slow Coming Day is doing a reunion show, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, how it works out is basically um, uh, all the guys are living in Southern California except for me, and I happen to be going back to California for about a month. So it just works out that we can finally do a reunion show. We did actually one reunion show in 2018, uh, Joshua Fest, where we got to open up for, for King and Country and D David Crowder. Oh, um, nice, nice. Yeah. Project 86 played, um, a bunch of other bands played, and we were supposed to play Audio Feed Festival, man, and then it just got, like, there was 2020, that got canceled, and in 2021, it got canceled, so right. uh, I ended up just playing solo because they didn't end up booking the band, but I got to see some cool bands, Pedro the Lion played, the Huntington's did a reunion set, so that was cool. That is so rad. Do we want to kind of, like, go back a little bit? Let's go back. Yeah, let's go back to okay. the beginning. Let's if I to can, the halcyon days. Let's, let's go back a little bit. And Orion, if I can be uh, extremely frank with you, I am like a big tooth and nail guy, but I know hardly anything about Slow Coming Day, admittedly. So like, you can just like talk like, like yeah. I know nothing because, I mean, until the last couple of weeks, I really didn't know anything. So I would love to hear more about like how you guys got started and just kind of like we'll get into more specifics of like getting on Tooth and Nail and definitely like recording your record. But tell us more about like the origin stories. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we only put out one record with Tooth and Nail. So and then we never went on after that. The band basically broke up. Um, so that's probably why a lot of not a lot of people heard about us. Well, when we came out with our band at, at a certain time in 2003, it's been, a, been quite a while. And actually, <laughs> coming up next year is the 20-year anniversary of our album with Tooth & Nail. But we played a lot. We played Christian music festivals like Cornerstone. and uh, But other than that, we didn't really exist in the youth group uh, culture. Right. We, we played with a lot of secular bands, actually. So... That was kind of the beginning of that era where like Under Oath and those type of bands played in clubs and not in churches. And weirdly enough, well, I mean, there's a lot to talk about, I'm sure. But like one thing our manager said, he's like, as soon as we signed the tooth and nail, he said, okay, now, now you guys can't play any churches anymore. I'm like, huh? You know, and that's <laughs> how it started as a band, you know, and that's we were from nice. Southern California. So um, we were a local Orange County band is how we started. And then, Actually, how we got signed was we sent our album in to Tooth and Nail. And it's kind of a funny story because uh, Bill Power, who worked at Tooth and Nail, he said, um, I sent him an email. I said, hey, Bill, I've, I sent you that album in the mail. This is when you still uh, <laughs> would send CDs through the, right. you know. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I was, like, was going to ask what format you sent it in. Because I remember, I remember doing that. I remember sending like burned CDs to labels and stuff around that time, too. That's awesome. Yeah, this this was actually like a real EP. We had like a booklet in there, you know, and there was like oh, nice. a press picture of it. But I remember Bill emailing me back and he said, listen, kid, this was basically the exact words. He's like, listen, kid, I don't listen to uh, demos. <laughs> oh, dang. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And so I thought, okay, well, I said, who I emailed him back. I'm like, well, because I was in college. I was like 19, I think. I'm like, well, who does listen to demos at Tooth and Nail? And he's like, you, 
you need to email this lady. But what he didn't realize is I sent the package to him because I knew Russell from Dogwood. And we had played shows with Dogwood in my old punk band. Mm. And so Russell told me what to do. He said, send it to, to Bill. He's the one that signed us. And Bill signed Further Stamps Forever. He signed Slick Shoes. Uh, he was in Blenderhead. He played with like with MXPX. I mean, opening up for MXPX. Right. Mm-hmm. And so nice. Bill Powers, like at that time, he, he has a long history of, of signing some pretty cool bands. And so then he emailed me back a couple days later. He's like, it must be dumb luck day today at Tooth and Nail because he's like, I got your CD on my desk. I listened to it. I really like it. Tell me more about the band. What are you guys doing? Are you guys Christians? What's your deal? You know? So we started to correspond through email. He came to Southern California to, to see us play. And his, his girlfriend was living there. Not, we didn't sign that day, but we ended up talking to Tooth and Nail back and forth. We, then we played Tooth and Nail Day. Before that, we opened up for Juliana Theory and Cogating Cambria and 238. And um, then I remember Brandon Eagle called me on the phone. <laughs> I was asleep. It was, uh, I don't know, probably 11 in the afternoon or, well, it was maybe noon. And he called yeah. me and he's like, are you still asleep? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's a typical musician thing, you know? <laughs> and um, he's like, well, this is really a trust issue for us. If we put you on this show with Juliana Theory and Cody and Cambria, because the drummer from Element 101's, their, their drummer hurt, hurt his leg. And they said, well, we put you on this show. We really want to know for sure that you're going to sign a tooth and nail. Oh, and yeah, so I said, yeah, gotcha. yeah. So he's like, do I have your word? You know, do I have your word just through like a telephone call? Mm. And I said, yeah, you have my word. So. So crazy. Wow. That's kind of how it all began. Not even a handshake deal, like a phone call deal. A phone call, yeah. <laughs> when that happens, are you like, oh, I'm just casually like, is that weird waking up and you're like, I'm getting a phone call from Brandon Ebel right now, like, <laughs> like, yeah, like what, what a way to wake up. Definitely, man. Because I'm just like you guys. I mean, I like, you know, was a kid that went to youth group that like liked tooth and nail bands, and I'm from the Midwest originally. So to me, it was like a dream come true. But it was super awkward getting a call from Brandon on my like Nokia. Like handheld Nokia. Oh phone. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the old school Nokia. <laughs> yeah. We we found a use for those Nokias besides playing Snake. It's you getting signed <laughs> it's to the nail. Getting the one <laughs> call from Brandon <laughs> Ebel. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice. Uh, yeah. That's so those things were kind of indestructible, though. You know. That's very true. That's very true. So then you guys signed, and then well, let's just talk about like then coming out with the album, like going in to record it. Like, how many songs did you guys? have uh well actually before that how long had y'all been together yeah that's a good question um well we had only been a band so everything happened really fast so what i just described we've been a band for one year that's it wow for only one year and basically uh we were all just friends that went to college to this uh, college called vanguard university and believe it or not the oc supertones went to vanguard too Mm. Okay. So the OC Supercons came out of there because, see, I left Nebraska when I was 17, and I moved to Southern California to go to school at Vanguard. And that's where I met the guys in Slocoming Day. So, and um, Hmm. the pop punk was really popular, and this thing was coming up, emo, you know, and uh, indie rock was cool. Mm -hmm. So we were only a band for one year. Then we signed a tooth and nail in the, the very end of 2002, quite a while ago, 20 years ago. And then in 2003, we went into the studio with uh, Ed Rose. That was something we wanted to talk about. Yes, yeah. I definitely want to talk about <laughs> working with Ed Rose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. And of course, a lot of people asked us, well, going back to Brandon Ebel, Brandon Ebel didn't like that. He, he said, he's like, I really want you to record with a, crit- a Christian producer. Who was he wanting? Um, he wanted us to go with uh, this, I think originally this producer called Andy Dodd, who was in Southern California. Now, okay. what has he done? I don't. I'm not familiar with him. I, I, me either. Yeah, but he had done other uh, albums on BEC. I'm pretty sure at that time. Mm-hmm. And of course, when I think of Tooth and Nail, I always think of maybe Aaron Sprinkle. You know, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it would have been different if he said, "Well, I want you to record with Aaron Sprinkle," but he he didn't say that. He he named this guy. I didn't know. So I'm like, well, I don't know, you know. And so I said, we would really like to record with Ed Rose, who recorded the Get Up Kids, Appleseed Cast, and a lot of other, you know, secular bands. 
And so um, he didn't really like that idea in the beginning. And he said, I, if you're going to record with a secular producer, I want you to record with uh, Mark Trevino, who recorded Clarity. Sweet. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> so we were really excited for a little bit. I mean, I almost, you know, peed my pants uh, there. <laughs> sure. I think that's how Josh felt just mentioning his name. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that would have been really like excited. a year or two after he did Bleed American. Just crazy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. So um, Brandon had sent Mark Trevino an email and Trevino sent Mark, uh, Brandon an email and, Br- and he said, Brandon, I only do a budget of 15,000 and over. So he said, unless you have 15 grand, that's the lowest budget I, I do. Hmm. And so Brandon wasn't really willing to give us 15,000 because we were such a brand new band. Right. You know? Right. Right. So that's kind of uh, what happened with that. And essentially uh, then we went with Ed Rose. And so then we, we recorded with uh, the get up where the get up kids recorded and the get up kids just brought that studio. And so a lot of great bands recorded there, Branson, the beautiful mistake, Appleson cast, the casket lottery. And of course the most famous, the get up kids. And um, I even think Nirvana, like Kurt Cobain recorded there too, in that wow. studio at one time. Yeah. He, hmm. he tracked a couple things Kurt Cobain did uh, oh, yeah. there. That was probably the like, most famous person. So, yeah. Then we were in Kansas for three weeks. We made the album. And uh, we had like 12 songs going into it. And all 12 songs went on, went on the album. But we did change some things. Like, just not, not too much, but certain parts we made shorter. You right. know, we, we, cut, we cut out certain parts. Um, you know, we just made things better. And then some of the lyrics changed to some of the songs. One weird thing that Red Rose kind of did, uh, one weird thing, guys, was like, we had a lot of slide octaves on the guitar. Mm-hmm. Very Jimmy World. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, they made uh, Brad change a lot of his parts. Ed Rose did. Oh, uh, interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. What was his, what was his, like, thinking behind that? Do you know? Did he say? Uh, yeah, well, he did say, he said, well, slide octaves are about to go out of style. So he's mm-hmm. like, we have to do something else. What y'all do instead for those parts? Um, well, Brad still did a lot of slide octaves, but instead he wrote like regular lead parts, you know, like uh, regular lead guitar parts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, um, I don't know. I, I like working with Ed, but if I could do it again, I might change it, but I'm still happy with what came out of it. But it's right. definitely, it's ultimately an album that sounds like it could be on D film records. Right. It definitely does. Yeah. It's, it's not an album that sounds like it's on Tooth and Nail or for the Christian market, really. You That's know? very true. Yeah. And that kind of hurt us in the end. And a lot of, you know, in the Christian world, a lot of reviewers, when the album came out, guys, a lot of reviewers said, this, we don't like this. There's no hope in this, this music. And man, just where is Jesus in, this, in these songs? Hmm. And um, interesting. Yeah. And so, but weirdly enough, we had letters coming from fans. That was like when you still got letters. We had a PO box. Right. Mm-hmm. And when the letters came in, it was kids that were saying that they, the album helped them not commit suicide. Wow. And so, because I'm singing about, you know, my own pain and, you know, what's usual in right, email right. songs and my dad's death and all these hard things to sing about. And so, yeah, the, the Christian reviewers said this, this music has no hope. The secular world was like, this sounds like Branson <laughs> and um, it's like, it didn't really vibe with either one, but, uh, <laughs> but a lot of people did, uh, it did affect some people and it did help some people because we got these letters in the mail uh, saying, Hey, I was going to kill myself. I put your album on. And I decided not to. And wow, so that was like, so blew, that cool. blew my mind. That's you so know? cool. Yeah. That really did. Yeah. That's amazing. Like that's why you do it, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was really life changing, man. That was that was the thing I always as as an emo kid in high school. That was the thing I could never get across to my parents. They're like, "Why are you listening to this like really sad music?" I'm like, "No, it's like it's ultimately it's really good because I can relate. Like I can relate to someone. It's a it's a way to connect to the world." And they're like, "I don't know. They're just like so sad." <laughs> like, well, yeah, people can be sad. <laughs> exactly. I- I remember like jamming out to Peter the Lion. I would be like listening to Mineral, Peter the Lion, and like really sad emo. And my mom would right. be like, I don't 
what are you listening to? Like my mom was listening to like metal, you know, yeah. I was listening to like softer music Whoa. than she was. So, yeah. Dang, mom. For sure. Yeah, dude. She was listening to tourniquet while I was jamming off the paper of the lion. <laughs> and she's like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why is Dave so sad? That's so funny. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I feel like recording with Ed Rose definitely like went with your sound. Cause like if you'd gone, even with Sprinkle, it would have been like, I feel like more of like a, like a sheen on that, which I feel like, like you're talking about with Mineral definitely helps going with that sound with Ed Rose, what he was producing. I was just looking at like when your album came out in 2003 and the stuff that Ed Rose did around that album, like, calendar days came out two months before that and then regging the full effect under the tray and then what two months later uh motion city soundtracks first album came out with yeah out that he that's did. right because like and then Appleseed cast happened in july two conversations i remember emory recorded weeks end somewhere around that's that right time. yeah that's so right. like do you know like who was in the studio like before and after you because like it had to have been one of those or two close, of those guys right? yeah 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 well what was cool is it's cool that you mentioned um, that because I just we brought back some memories. So so thanks, Josh. Um, yeah, it was the the Rocket Summer had just recorded with Ed Rose right before and, y'all. And was in, that was in the studio right before us. Okay, and he won a he won a contest. That makes so much sense. <laughs> he won a contest. Yeah, and that's how he had the money. His for, his trajectory that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then Emery, I think, was right. Uh, after us or around that same time that man. sounds right because i remember i've heard emery tell the story that when they got into record with ed he was complaining about working with bryce a lot for the from the rocket summer so <laughs> oh, no. that makes sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. i saw like i was looking at the credits and this is bryce avery's first album as he rocket was like 15 summer. or something right? yes okay he's like a little baby Yes, yeah, and I Not so according to Emery talking about what Ed Rose was saying is that he was complaining about like Bryce and everything. And then I looked at the credits. It says like Calendar Days is recorded or is like is like produced by Bryce. He credits himself as the producer and then says recorded with Ed Rose. I'm like, whoa, oh, like you're just gonna throw Ed Rose as like a recorded <laughs> with credit. Like Yikes, Ed probably has wild. some credence for yeah, that. Yeah, they definitely had some <laughs> conflicts. <laughs> that's wild that's what wild. a move yeah i do remember um ed complaining about bryce <laughs> <laughs> that's good you can that's confirm so it <laughs> so so then so then you guys recorded the album and then i i'm just curious a little bit of like what the kind of like rollout promotional stuff did you guys start like did you guys go on tour right away or like how did that how did that all go down yeah, that's a great question. And usually you you put out the album and then do a tour. And that's what was so weird about Slow Coming Day is that we did it in-store at Virgin Virgin uh, Megastore in Southern California. And then we like, there was like a two months that went by and we didn't even tour. Hmm. And all the ads for the album were like only in Southern California. That's it. Weird. Only Hyper-local. the Southern California people knew about Interesting. Yeah. Well, only the people in Southern California knew about it. Was that like Midwest emo sound really even like popular in SoCal like back then? No, not really. <laughs> seems like a weird place to market yeah, yeah. Your, that sound. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> a lot of people thought that we were from somewhere else, actually, Josh. So you bring up a good point. I mean, I'm from the Midwest and um, our bass player was also from the Midwest, too. So there was two guys from the Midwest. So we had right. some Midwest roots mm-hmm. and we recorded in the, in the Midwest too. I just, I just assumed like, you know, cause like for years before everything was on the internet, I just assumed you guys were like another, like a Midwest emo band, like Captain Jazz or, or Get sure. Kids or something, you know? And yeah. yeah so it, That's yeah, cool. it was only recently I was like, wait, <laughs> Southern California. Like, wait, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's almost like they should have booked like a really concentrated midwest tour for you guys like after the album dropped you know just like transplant them where their sound makes sense so they can just be kings of the region tj that's genius (laughs) Did, did anyone you know and we're not you know we're not trying to like shit on anybody or anything but was yeah, there yeah. like was there was there like reasoning behind the super localized or the lack of promotion nationwide or 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 what do you think happened yeah well what's 
That's a great question. Um, and basically, our album was the first album with Tooth and Nail where they didn't spend any marketing budget in the Grishner market. Hmm. They didn't spend any marketing budget. And the reason is, is because, see, Bill Power, who signed our band, he quit Tooth and Nail and he became our manager. And be before that happened, wow. him and Brandon sat down and, and Bill said, I'm, I'm going to make the budget for the marketing budget for the band. And Bill said, I only want to advertise this in the secular market, hmm. not in the not in the Christian market. I'm not going to advertise in Christian bookstores, none of that. And instead we were like in Mean Street Magazine in Orange County. So it's like right. Slocuming Day and Lincoln Park. Weird. You know, wild. That's how it was. And so, and we were in the listening stores. Like you went into the listening stores and when we played Virgin Megastore, like the no doubt played Virgin Megastore. That's, yeah. So we played that and then we didn't tour at all. And then, so then two months went by after the album came out. We didn't play the Midwest like TJ said we should have, but <laughs> then we went to Cornerstone and we played Cornerstone and there we got to open up for this cool band called Further Seems Forever. And that was awesome. Yes, so we yeah. did play the Midwest. And so a lot of the, a lot of the Christian kids came out and that's when Cornerstone man was like, it was in its full glory. Yeah. This is actually a perfect transition because I think everyone we've talked to so far has a Cornerstone story. Yes. Uh, and we all have Cornerstone stories too. So I'm just curious, what was your experience oh. there? <laughs> I mean, I grew up going to Cornerstone, like being from the Midwest, you know? Right. I mean, and that yeah, was the only time I saw these bands because, Nebraska, yeah, I mean, dude, the, the only way that I like got into Christian music was that, cause I, my parents let me listen to kind of whatever music I wanted, mm -hmm. you know? So like I listened to classic rock and I listened to like modern rock, like grunge and stuff like that. And then the modern bands that were coming out, Foo Fighters, yada, yada at the time in the late nineties. Right. And then it was like my friends had these CDs of like Stave Saker, like Goaty Hook, like, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know, man, just like MXPX, you know, of course, MXPX, Plank Eye and um all those ones man and so they were giving they would let me borrow them then i would burn those cds or i would go to the bookstore and buy them right. and so then i got to go to cornerstone but i remember my first concert uh, was actually plank eye my first christian concert was plank eye nice and uh ironically <laughs> ironically before i signed a tooth and nail the singer of plank eye was at the bar with me and he's like Ryan, he's like, I got to tell you that uh, don't sign a tooth and nail. He's like, I sold 100,000. He's like, I sold 100,000 albums. He's like, I didn't receive a penny. And he's like, I'm warning you, don't do it. And I still just didn't care. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not going to listen to you. Right. <laughs> Man, their story was is so sad, like how that all happened for them. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a rough one. He's a bad, yeah. <laughs> that's a, of all the people for you to talk to <laughs> and be like, yeah. it's that guy. With his experience with Tooth and Nail. That's a rough one. Yeah. But going to Cornerstone, man, was like the way I found out about those bands and the first time I saw those bands. You know, right. so I went to Cornerstone in 99, 2000, 2001. And then Slow Coming Day won a, a contest in 2002, the new band Showcase. And we played there with like a band called, what was called Moss Isley. Some, oh, some, yeah. some, oh. some ladies. Oh, and yeah. they started another band. They started, it was called Isley then. Right. And of course, they went on to be big, 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 big fan. So, um, yeah. But 2003 was cool. We got to play for, for the, with Further Seems Forever. And then, um, but my experience was great. Cornerstone was kind of the coolest thing we did in the Midwest. Yeah. And we even got to do some, like, Midwest emo shows, like, with different friends bands. And, mm -hmm. like, Lincoln, we played a house show, you know. So we got to do some really Midwest emo stuff yeah. on that first tour. But what was hard is our drummer quit the first tour. And so that really hurt the band. He hey, man, classic drummer. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Out. Hey now. <laughs> I made the drummer stay on, on the road till we got to open for Further Seems Forever. And then he flew home. And so oh, the wow. rest of the tour, we were we were gonna go on tour with this band called Emory. You might have heard of it before. <laughs> and they had a van. Oh, no. They had a, a tour bus, but it was like a school bus. And on the school bus, they'd spent about four or $5,000 to, to make this school bus really nice where they could all live in it. And there's a funny story about first meeting Emory at Cornerstone. So we go to meet the band. We're, we're, we're sitting in their bus. And 
I told our bass player, Dave, and I said, now, Dave, I know that you like to cuss. I'm like, please don't cuss because I'm like <laughs> in front of the Emory guys. I'm like, I, I know these guys are believers and I don't want to offend them. So even that we do cuss sometimes, <laughs> Dave really had, you know, a really like sailor mouth. Right. And I'm like, please, please do not cuss. He's like, Just dial it back. He's like, well, he's from, from Indiana. Southern Indiana. He's like, well, he's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna shut up. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> this is this is almost the exact conversation these guys have with me before we have a guest on. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and so the first thing out of Dave's mouth was a swear word. So <laughs> that's, that's so great. Fun. Knowing the Emory guys, I'm sure they're like, I'm fr- I'm sure that would like endeared you to them. Oh, yeah, they probably yeah. loved it. They probably thought it was they hilarious. <laughs> Immediately, like. When Dave cussed, the, the first word out of his mouth was a cuss word, and everyone just started laughing. And then we we knew we were going to be friends from there. That's so good. We knew we were going to be friends. That was like cornerstone. Are you saying of 03 for that? Two thousand three. Yeah. So were they? Yeah. They were they even signed to Tooth and Nail by then? Uh, no. They they had their album recorded and it wasn't released yet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So nice. that was their first tour. I know Emory has a like like a movie, not a movie, but you know, like a documentary about uh-huh. their their band yeah and they do mention us in that documentary they're like yeah we went out with slow we took slow coming day came on tour with us for the first tour and <laughs> what happened is is their bus uh, broke down after the f- first show that we did oh, so no. we, it's like, like vfw hall in this place called um valparaiso indiana and valparaiso indiana it's kind of like near chicago you know mm-hmm. and so yeah, their their bus was totally broken down, and so Toby and Matt and uh, uh, the other guys had to drive back. And Seth at the time, they had to drive back oh, wow. to. So they rented a car to go back to South Carolina, where they were originally from. Mm-hmm. And then Josh Head, the keyboard player, and Joel, the bass player at the time, and Josh's brother rode with us in our van all the way back to Seattle, and we played all the shows without Emory. Hmm. Oh wow. Our first tour was like just us and local bands playing. That's crazy. Dang. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. But there's like eight dudes packed in one van, man. <laughs> That's crazy. Dang, that's cool. You didn't like have like Josh come up during your set to do like his like screaming where he stands out and walks out into the crowd thing or something. Definitely. <laughs> was he doing that you back know, then? Yeah, yeah. Josh Josh was doing that. Yeah. Um Josh would scream with us on the last song we would do. Like the oh, last sweet. song on our album. Behind Blue Eyes, mm-hmm. we would do a streaming part. And so Josh would come up and stream with us. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Very so I became awesome. really, really good friends with Josh. I was even roommates with him for, for a long time. Oh, really? Me and Josh are still nice. really good. So you lived up in Seattle for a while? Yeah, I, I used to live in Seattle just for the wintertime. So I would go there and live with Josh. Because I was like, when Slow Coming Day broke up, I was doing solo tours. So like folk mm-hmm. Americana music. Yeah. So. Okay. So, th- hey, another great, great segue <laughs> that I'm going to bring to a screeching halt to acknowledge. Um, yeah. So I want to talk about kind of the breakup of the band and some of your solo stuff, kind of how that transition happened, why y'all broke up, why y'all are getting back together. Eventually we'll get to that. But I want to I want to hear about uh, all the stuff that you've been doing in between. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, um, you know, to make a long story short, guys, basically what happened is, is that after what that tour I described, we ended up getting on a really big tour, the biggest tour of our lives with the band called May and Copeland. Mm. And we and a band called Working Title. And so we mm. toured the whole nation on tour with them. Then we went on tour. Then we immediately went on a Tooth and Nail tour for like nine shows. That was with Amberlynn, Me Without You, Watashiwa, and Emery again. Was that the one where Further was supposed to headline and they dropped off? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Wow. Exactly. I didn't know y'all were on that one. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. Only on the East Coast shows. So okay. we, we played six mm. East Coast, six or seven East Coast shows. And it was funny because May was going to join the tour and they called up and they're like, yeah, we're joining the tour, by the way. And um, they were so confident back then, you know, they're like, we're joining the <laughs> Tooth and Nail tour. Yeah. And, and, and Dave's like, and by the way, Slow Me Day is opening up on these shows or we're not coming. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, like Dave, Dave from May, dude, that guy like yeah. really went to bat for, for us. Wow. That's, That's awesome. awesome. So, and I'm still good friends with Dave. So there is talk about Slow Coming Day in May doing a show like Hell us opening yeah. up for the next year. 
Hell yeah, so, oh, dude, that'd be sweet. Come yeah, on up to Oregon, man. And come Texas. on up to Oregon. <laughs> I hope so, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I hope we get to do a whole West Coast tour with them. So we'll see what happens. But um, like I said, then so then we we kept going, we kept touring. We uh, played shows with Gatsby's American Dream, As Tall as Lions. I have not heard those names in a while. Yeah, that's right. Really good bands. And so then after that, um, yeah, we just kind of, the band broke up because we were going on these big tours, but we came back pretty poor. Right. You know, uh, we weren't necessarily homeless, but um, borderline. Yeah, borderline. I mean, you're yeah, in your 20s in a band. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, um, that was, uh, one of the reasons. And of course, just, uh, my own, my own, unfortunately at that time, my own party lifestyle kind of got the best of me and, um, I needed to sober up, but I didn't really know how, um, you know, there's a lot of people that can drink so, uh, nor- normally and socially. Uh, and then there's other people that have drinking problems. Um, and I was one of those people. So I eventually got help, man, and got sober, but that was a really That's great. hard time for me. Thank you. Yeah. And so that is some of the real reasons why we broke up. And I, cause I just want to, you know, be, we can just be completely honest, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. yeah. We really yeah. respect and appreciate that. That's, that's really cool. That, yeah. That no problem, man. And a lot. Yeah. So also, but also poverty really, you know, I, yeah. I won't lie, you know, um, because a lot of the expenses is going towards getting hotels or right. food and gas insurance yada 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 and so we just came back where we just didn't have much money and so that's really why me and brad split ways it wasn't that brad was like oh ryan you know i hate you and it wasn't like that you know um, me and brad the the guitar player that we both wrote the music together we've been friends all these years and so that's why we're getting back together too because we're still friends so yeah, that's the best yeah it is good yeah and in between that whole time from when the band broke up till now, um, I've been doing solo Americana music. So I've put out like five albums and like three yeah. EPs and I've toured Europe 10 times now. That's wow. wild. Do you end up making okay money like that? Cause I imagine logistics are a little easier. It's not as expensive to tour as a solo guy. Like you can be more streamlined and lean and, and maybe come away making a little more money on the other side. Yeah, you're right, TJ. Yeah, it's easier, man. And like, um, I've done tours uh, in the US that way. And then in Europe, it's really easy to streamline it because I take trains when I travel. Yeah. And like, I don't have to spend, it's so much more affordable. I get a train pass for Germany and and the German people and a lot of people in Europe, they just like come out to shows no matter what, man. Like, Hmm. they're like, this guy came from America. He must be good. So we'll come watch it. Even if they don't know who you are. That's cool. Even if even if they don't know who you are, I kind of get it because it's like you you're spending a bunch of money to like hop the pond, you know, and like go play for a bunch of people that you don't know, like you don't even share a culture. So you you really they have to imagine like that you believe in what you're doing. And I can see how that would be compelling for an audience, even if you're a total stranger to them. Yeah, yeah, it is. And also, especially like a lot of shows that I did in Germany and the Netherlands, they have a culture of like sitting down and listening. Like in, in Britain, it's not like that. In Britain, people are like talking more like we would at a show, like not talking all the time, you know, but when you're playing a smaller show. And one of the things I got really into with the solo stuff was playing uh, house concerts. Mm. And so, you know, David Bazan and all those people and the, yeah. uh, Chris from 238, they were doing that. Well, I do that too, but I just, I don't do it in the U.S. I've done it in the U.S., but not very much. But I especially do it uh, overseas. Mm. And so then, and I got to play a couple of Christian music festivals this year. That's what I did. I did a, a Christian music music festival called Graceland in the Netherlands, and um, Gung, Gungor was headlining that festival. Oh, nice! Oh, cool! Oh, nice! Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And then um, I played Freakstock, and they didn't have any lineup that we would really recognize um, for their for the German festival. Mm. And then I was at audio feed too for America. So, Sweet. so that's what I did guys for the past 14 years. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's then sweet. you guys are uh, coming back all back together to do slow coming day. But so like, what's the plan with that? Just, just hanging out, having fun, playing music or like just a couple guys... one-off shows. Or... Yeah. Like what, 
right now we're just having fun hanging out with friends That's and if if our friends that are bigger bands ask us to play shows with them we're gonna do it hell yeah <laughs> i love that kind of just being open-handed about it just ready for whatever comes yeah and and like it'd be cool to do a show i mean my personal goal would be like it would be rad to play a show with may next year for their 20th anniversary yeah and maybe Maybe if we're really lucky, like Copeland, and man, it'd be really cool to play again with Emery because, like, we know them really well, and so yeah. we've been talking of like May and Emery and like trying to, you know, see see what can happen. They just did that labeled fest this summer, and it was great. It's like having all the tooth and nail band. So like, they need to do that again next year and bring y'all out for that. That would be cool. yeah. That would be fun. Did you get to go to the? I, I did. Yeah. Oh, cool. I know. I hate I hate the slow coming day just feels like a tooth and nail, like redheaded stepchild. Like, yeah, you know that it feels a little unfortunate because I love that record um, and I've listened to it a ton and I've listened to a bunch of your solo stuff, too. I'm we're, we're probably going to cut this. I'm just I'm fanboying out a little bit. I'm trying to keep it professional, but, you know, I'm pretty stoked. I'm, I'm pretty stoked. We're talking hey, man, you, be so. stoked. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, and of course, like I said, you know, when we made the album, you know, the critics said this music has no hope. Where's right. where where where's God in this music? Um and, and that's the thing. I we weren't singing about I sang about God in certain songs in my my relationship with God, but the band was always about, you know, kind of about what I went through as a person. Right, and so if people can relate to that, that's really cool. And like, if the album impacted you, that's awesome. And it's like, uh, in, in others, then we did our job. And so it'll be cool to play those songs again and kind of like travel back in time in a way. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it'll be cool. And maybe we're just we're doing this one show in Southern California on December December sixteenth with Watashiwa. Another, and it's only ten dollars, so like anybody can come. So and yeah. another band called Stairwell, they were on Hopeless Records, and mm. the uh, mm. lead singer is going to play acoustic. So that's so awesome! That's yeah, all of our CJN listeners in Southern California, go to that show because that's going to be freaking awesome. I feel like we're coming to a, a relatively decent wrapping up place. So of course I'm going to do the opposite and ask you a different question and completely like deep dive into something else um in <laughs> in terms of your solo stuff uh i want to i i'm just personally a little curious about like your recording process with that do you like do you record everything yourself do you like book studio time like in lincoln or or like how does how have your last couple albums gone and you guys uh slow coming day did y'all came out with the quarantine sessions so I want to talk about that a little bit too. Like, how did y'all coordinate all of that? I forgot about well, that. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm curious about how that all went down. Okay, those, those are those are great questions, man. Yeah, for my solo stuff, my last record, I worked with a guy here in Lincoln, and it was during COVID, right? Mm -hmm. So it was the first album I ever did where I just recorded the vocals and the acoustic guitar, and I and I and I like a drum, like I had this it's a program drummer. So I had like the roots, the roots, the folk roots drummer, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And wait, uh, th th this is very specific, but did, did you use, uh, the tune track easy drummer plugin or what did you do? What did you, what did you do for the drums? It's like the, the, the cheap one on, um, on garage band. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what's up. Honestly, all those presets are pretty great. <laughs> like you can do a lot. Yeah, they're pretty good. I downloaded a special one. It was uh, called like, his name was Mason, and it said folk folk drummer. So like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. That's what Mason I need. Is his name, you know. You should I bring him that. on tour, man. Bring <laughs> Mason Irish. on tour. Yeah, yeah. Mason's great. <laughs> really cheap drummer too. Yeah, <laughs> you can do the Does whole Steve three PO thing that David Crowder band did with oh, Mason. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I really like David Crowder, by the way. Yeah. So yeah. And then I sent the tracks off to to Lucas Kellison, who like he played bass briefly for uh, George Clinton and the the Parliament Funkadelic. Holy cow! Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. And so, 
And he helped produce a, a gal named Andrea Von Kempen from Lincoln. And she's quite popular on Spotify. So yeah, he, he did my last album. So he like plays mm-hmm. bass on it and electric guitar. And we collaborated with, without ever seeing each other in person. Hmm. Wow. So yeah. like the whole, yeah. Making music during weird. the pandemic was such a wild, was such a trip, man. It was <laughs> weird, dude. Uh, to answer your question, uh, Caitlin, that's the same thing I did for the, the quarantine sessions too. Okay, cool. Mm. So I tracked uh, the Silicon Media Acoustic album. I tracked it at home. And then I sent it off to Dave, the, the bass player that plays yeah. on Farewell to Familiar. And he lives in Indiana, near Indianapolis. And he played bass. And then we sent it to another guy named Jordan, Jordan Morgan Lansdowne, who uh, briefly ran his own label with some, some artists. And he did the mixing and stuff. Oh, cool. So, hmm. And then Indivision put it out, Indivision Music. So they were yeah, our Yeah, I saw that. That's cool. I love Indivision. Yeah, they're cool, man. And then we did another album. So look, me they did another album in 2019. It was like electronic, you know, but it wasn't really, it, we produced it ourselves. So it's like, you know, it's raw. Some of the parts right, are yeah, raw. Yeah. Lo-fied, you know, and so the people that listen to Feral to Familiar are like, what is this? <laughs> Why does this sound so horrible? <laughs> it's I like, mean, we're, we're doing this all ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's charmingly scrappy. For sure. Do y'all have like, are y'all working on more slow coming day <laughs> songs? Ooh, Josh, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that's the money question right there. Mm-hmm. That's the money question. The truth is, is that Brad has, Brad, the other songwriter, guitar player, uh, the guy with nerdy thick glasses that kind of looks like Rivers from Weezer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he has, man, I don't know how he kept this, but on his A track at the time, he had 40 songs that he wrote after we put out the album. Oh my God. Wow. In 2003. <laughs> oh, so like other songs y'all were working on back then. Yeah. So he oh. has all that recording. So he's gone through it all. And he says that he has like the seven best songs that he like wrote. Wow. Hmm. Wow. I was hanging out with my girlfriend at the time. I wasn't writing songs. Yeah. <laughs> so right. I was like way into her. And that's like captivated is about her. Yeah. I was like not in the right songwriting area. Right. (laughs) right. (laughs) I was like really, really in love. Anyway, those songs, uh, we're going to try to like, Brad wants to try to re-record those songs. So like we would come out with a new album, but it'll be like, if as if it was back then. That's awesome though. Mm. I love that. Yeah. That'd be like perfect for like the 20th anniversary, like right around the time y'all are doing the 20th anniversary too. Cause like, this is music that is kind of also 20 years old, but it's new at the same time. It's new. Yeah. That's the best. Good idea. Um, I'm here for it. Can I ask a question about like a songwriting process? Like how much of it is you, how much of it is, you say his name is Brad. Is it? Yeah. Brad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How much of it is like, Brad, you, do y'all collaborate or do you like, does Brad write a song and then give it to you and then you write the lyric? Like, what's that process look like for y'all? Yeah, um, it's always kind of been half and half. Like, usually Brad will like write half a song and I'll write the other half, you know? Or like, he'll have the verse, but he doesn't have the chorus, you know? Mm -hmm. Or he has the chorus, but he doesn't have any verse. Right, right. And so like for the music. So we we equally, we equally write the music and um, then we bring it to the band, to the drummer and the bass player. And then they write their parts to it. Yeah. And then I write some lyrics to it, usually. Usually it's the music first. With Slow Comedian, mm-hmm. the music first, and then the lyrics. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like half and half. Yeah. What's your favorite key to write in? I'm just Ooh, I'm just curious. I mean, with it's different between my solo stuff. Okay, okay. Well, Day, yeah, right? g- give me both answers. <laughs> but, I mean, Slow Coming Day is like, all of it's, a lot of it's D. It's D because yeah. it's like... Dad, yeah, tuning D A D G. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh really? So just you know, back then in 2003, like that was all the rage, you know. Right. Oh like, yeah. I mean, that was like post dashboard, exactly. Like yeah. I did. I think. I think from like 2004 to 2007, I didn't take my guitar out of Dad Gad tuning. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I can relate to that. And what about your solo stuff? The solo stuff, just yeah, standard tuning, and um, like a lot of capoing, but a lot of it's like. C, you know, yeah. but it's like capoed up somewhere, right, wherever, right? Wherever it happens to be good for the voice. So a lot of songs in the key of C, but not not always in the key of C because it's it's capoed, right? Sure. right. But chord shapes of C, yeah, yeah. 
How he's C&G, yeah. I mean, it's country. It's yeah, America. exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's good Americana chord shapes. He really is. Yeah. Yep. The cowboy cards, man. Yeah, exactly, Classic. Man. Yep. Sweet. Okay, so I think we're, we're, we're getting close to a stopping point. Okay, so we don't have to do this, but I texted the guys earlier. Um, so when I can, I like to play a game on the show. We're about to come out with our episode with um, Leonor Ortega from Five Iron Frenzy. And uh, oh, right. I played a game with her. So uh, I used to run a trivia night. I, I just love games. I love trivia games. And they don't matter at all. And usually what I'll do is I'll come up with a pun or a combination, a like a Wheel of Fortune before and afters kind of thing, and then base a game around that. So if you're down to play a trivia game in which... The points don't matter. Everything is completely made up. Uh, I think it'd be pretty fun. Sure, why not? The game is called Slow Coming Days of Our Lives. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh and TJ don't know any of these either. The three of y'all are going to play together. It's five questions. And essentially what I've done is uh, I didn't use Slow Coming Day because obviously you wrote all those lyrics, but I found other emo lyrics and I found quotes from okay. the soap opera Days of Our Lives. <laughs> and because, you know, emo tends to be dramatic, soap operas tend to be dramatic. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read each of these and y'all are going to guess whether it's lyrics from an emo song or it's a quote from the soap opera Days of Our Lives. <laughs> nice. So, um, I'm so about to get we... outed for how big a soap opera fan I am. <laughs> right. TJ's going to know <laughs> get them all, right? all of these. That was season 2048. <laughs> yeah, right. of... That was that the was... lost episode. Yeah. Deep cut. Okay. So here we go. Question one on slow coming days of our lives. The line is, you told me that I would fall hard for someone and I did. Is that an emo lyric or is that a quote from days of our lives? <laughs> oh, tough. Days of our lives. Okay, Rance, Days of Our Lives. I think I'll go Days of Our Lives too. Okay, TJ, I'm gonna I'm gonna juxtapose that. I'm gonna say that's that's some that's some cold hard emo line. All right, Josh and Orion are right. It oh, is, of course, nice. a quote from Days of Our Lives. Here's question number two. I sat behind the wheel and watched the raindrops as they gathered on the windshield. Definitely emo song. Yeah, all right, for Agreed. sure. Of course, that is from If I Could by Mineral. There you so go. here we go. Question number three. Uh, we have some more rain. Are, are we ready for some more rain? The rain mm. was there to wash away my tears. I wanted to be them, but instead I destroyed my chance. Definitely emo song. Okay. Can you read it one more time? The rain was there to wash away my tears. I wanted to be them, but instead I destroyed my chance. I'm going to say days of our lives. Okay. That sounds like some angsty, like 18-year-old emo thing i'm gonna go emo song okay tj and orion all right so far orion you're three for three man that Woo! is sunny day real estate's grendel Ooh, okay sunny day yeah real estate. okay uh wow. here we go question number four it's not fair to be a consolation prize every time i look at her all i can think of is you that one's tough mm-hmm. i'm gonna let tj and josh go first <laughs> i'll go days of our lives i'm also okay. gonna go days of our lives that feels Feels so poppery. I'm gonna go with uh, the majority vote here. I'm gonna go Days of Our Lives too. You guys are all right. That is a quote from Days of Our Lives. I was most excited. I thought that one would be. I thought that one would stump everybody. That was a tough one. Um, Okay, here we go. Last question. Don't let it go to your head. Boys like you are a dime a dozen. Emo. Yeah, emo. Yes. All right. Yes, of course. That is your so last summer by Taking Back Sunday. I'd be remiss if I didn't have a Taking Back Sunday reference on this podcast. Don't you mean Taking Back Sundays of Our Lives? Oh. Nice, Josh. Nice, dude. All right, Orion, you won. You you were five for five, man. You know your emo and you know your soap operas. It's good. You you get to keep your emo cred. (laughs) You do. You have an emo band. (laughs) Yeah, you did much better than Leonor with the Matthew Mix Connaissance game so (laughs) that one that one was a little harder uh well orion walsh thank you so much for being on church jams now is there anything else you want to plug last minute i know we talked about the reunion show um we talked about some of your music but what else you got going on um yeah i mean just i would say if people live in southern california or california at all come down to the reunion show december 16th slow coming day motashiwa and 
you can hear Slow Me Day like the new music and the old music on Spotify or uh, Apple Music or wherever you listen to music. And then um, my solo stuff, uh, the, the Americana folky stuff is, is on um, all the streaming platforms too. And um, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. It's been a pleasure and it's been cool to hang out with you guys uh, digitally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, dude, thank you so much for coming on. This was yeah, so much seriously. fun. Thanks for. Yeah, guys, I've had a great time. Getting nerdy. Good to with talk us. to you guys. Yeah, you too. From all of us here at Church Jams Now, may all your favorite bands stay together. Peace out, Monfrayers.